And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome back to the Mentors Radio. I'm Tom Laurie, and in just a moment, I will be joined by influential author and the Apostle of Appreciation, Chester Elton. Remember, you can hear us on the Salem Radio Network in California and Texas and online at thementorsradio.com or on any podcast platform, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. For leaders wanting to retain great talent, and talent today is the most important asset, and for those that want to better engage their people, a solution may be right under their noses. Showing gratitude to employees is the easiest, fastest, and most inexpensive way to boost performance. The problem, though, is that few leaders effectively utilize this simple tool. In fact, new research reveals that people are less likely to express gratitude at work than any other place. Today, my guest mentor is Chester Elton, co-author of the just-released Gratitude. He is also the co-author of the best-selling The Carrot Principle, The Best Team Wins, and All In. Today, we're going to be discussing eight simple ways that managers can show employees they are valued, which will bolster employee morale, efficiency, and productivity. Chester, thank you for joining us from Florida and serving as our guest mentor. And let's get started. Tell us, uh, to get started, uh, about your just-released book. Yes, Leading with and, Gratitude. We're very excited about it. And thanks for having me on your show, Tom. It's always a pleasure to be with mentors. I'm a big fan of being mentored in business. I wish when I was younger I'd had more mentors. Anyway, back to the book. You know, this is the culmination of 20 years of research and writing with my co-author, Adrian Gostick, on, you know, how do you create those great cultures? What are the differences between good leaders and extraordinary leaders? And what are some of the simple things they, they do that, to your point on the intro, can attract and retain great talent? So it was great fun talking to some extraordinary leaders and how they led with gratitude, not only in their organizations and their businesses, also in their personal lives, which we found very affirming. Who are some of the people you talked to? You know, we had that chance to spend a lot of time with actually Alan Mulally. And for those of you that are big auto fans, he was the guy that, that saved the Ford Motor Company during the big downturn in 2007, 2008. We got to talk to Hubert Jolie, who is the um, just he just retired as CEO. He's now the chairman of Best Buy. Took them from a billion dollar deficit to a, a billion dollar surplus. So not bad. And one of my favorite CEOs of all time is Gary Rich, the CEO of WD40. I guarantee you, everybody who's listening has a can of WD40 somewhere. And he took that organization from 280 million to 2.8 billion. So 
a lot of great leaders. Uh, Ken Chennault, the recently retired CEO of American Express, that took them to all-time highs in, in their value and, and stock price as well. So those, those are just a few. So those are gra- people that lead with gratitude. But then you also talk about transactional leaders. What, what is a transactional leader? Well, you know, transactional leaders are those that are really good about checking the boxes. You know, they, they, they're, they're getting stuff done. There's not a, an emotional connection. There's not uh, a real relationship. It's very transactional. You do this, I pay you for this, you do it. And it is effective to a certain level if you're looking for really, you know, high engagement, high enablement, and employees that are energized. It, it has to be more than a simple transactional relationship. That, does that make sense? It does. And I, I think all of us uh, probably have worked for some transactional people or worked with them, so we know what you're talking about. Now, you, you talk about the, uh, the gratitude gap. Talk a little bit about that and why, what, what is the problem that most people have in expressing gratitude? And I, I, ex, I suspect this isn't just in business, but in life in general. It, it is. You know, it, it was one of the most fun studies that we did. And it was that uh, as we surveyed senior leadership, right, and we asked them a very simple question. Uh, do you think that you are above average in giving uh, gratitude, appreciation, recognition, whatever whatever word you want to use? And almost 70% said, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really good at that. And then in asking that same question to their direct reports, the people that work with and for them, uh, only 23% agreed. <laughs> so there's this perception, you know, as a leader that we're really good at doing certain things, and yet, in reality, we're not. It's, uh, as, as you and I were talking offline, it's that being able, as a leader, to hold that mirror up and really find out where you are in your relationships, and, uh, and particularly the gratitude scale. And so that's what we call the gratitude gap. It's a perception gap. I think I'm really good, and yet we can all do a bit better. Yeah, it does. And does gratitude, is that just about being nice to people? You know, I am so glad you brought that up, Tom, because when we talk about leading with gratitude, a lot of, a lot of leaders, particularly the transactional leaders, right, will say, oh, yeah, that's the soft stuff. Oh, yeah, that's the kumbaya stuff, you know. Uh, we do hard stuff here, you know. I, I have hard skills. And here's what's fascinating is we found that the difference between the good leaders and extraordinary leaders it was never their hard skills. You know, you, you had to be able to do the transactional stuff, like get things through the system, right? The difference to extraordinary was always the soft skill, how you communicated, how you inspired. Unless you think that means that you're soft, you know, au contraire, right? And our, our, our best example of that by far was Alan Mulally, who came into the automotive industry, you know, sharp elbows, I mean, you know, kill or be killed. And, and he led with gratitude. You know, his first principle of management is it's your people, love them up. And, and let, you know, if you think Alan Mulally was soft, I mean, they wrote about it in the, in the Detroit newspapers, that he was known to have a spine of titanium. You know, you can hold people accountable. You can, you can be demanding, and yet you can also be a very much a leader that leads with gratitude, encouraging people along the way. And when you put it in that perspective... It, it, it rings a lot more true, don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know you you do you're in some kind of a group with uh, 
Alan, now, aren't you? Uh, there's some organization that you're part of that inspires you as well? We are. Uh, it's the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Pay It Forward group, which Alan is a member because Marshall was at one point his coach. And it is fascinating to, you know, there are executives past and present, there are executive coaches, and there are thought leaders. And uh, Alan is a part of that group, as is uh, Dr. Jim Kim, the, uh, the, the past president and CEO of the World Bank, doing hard things, trying to eradicate severe poverty, you know, in the world. So these are leaders that, that get you need to engage people and yet very demanding at the same time. Well, we're going to cut away for a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the myths about gratitude. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word about the Mentors Radio. We've doubled our podcast downloads. Make sure you tell your friends. You can go to our website, thementorsradio.com, and click on past shows to find many of our great past guests. We will return with the Apostle of Appreciation, Chester Alton, after these short messages. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now... Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Loring. Today we have best-selling author Chester Elton, and we're discussing gratitude in the workplace, its myths and its potential. Remember, you can listen to us on the radio, via podcast, on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more, any device, anytime. So what are these myths? There are, I mean, there are what I you call them the ingratitude myths, but there are myths, and I think we all at some time, uh, at least I know that as I read through them, uh, am guilty of some of these. And maybe you can take us through the myths about giving people gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think sometimes what we know to be true in our personal lives, when we get to work, we put it aside. We treat work as a much different environment, and and I think it's a big mistake. And as you said, I, I mean, as you read through these, I've, I've had managers that, that led with every one of these myths, starting off by fear is the best motivator. You know, the best way to get people to really produce is just put the fear of God in them. I'll tell you what was, what was interesting is, in many cases, leaders that were leading with fear didn't realize they were leading with fear. And that, we thought that was fascinating. They said, look, I, I'm, I'm not fear-based. I'm just very honest and open. You know, if we don't hit the quota, uh, I don't know that I can guarantee your job, which is being up and open and also scaring the crap out of your people. Now, what was fascinating, again, and we love, we love looking at the numbers, is that when people are surveyed and say, will you work harder and be more productive uh, in a fear-based environment? And, yeah, a little over, you know, 38% said, uh, yeah, I, I will work harder. And, or I'm sorry, 37% said that they work hard if their, their job was in jeopardy, and 38% said I'd work hard with a really demanding boss. So it does work short-term. What we love is, though, when you had a boss that expressed gratitude and engaged you in a positive way, 83% said that they would work harder. So there's this myth around if, if I'm, again, coming back to those soft skills, right? Oh, if I'm soft, people will take advantage of me. I've got to, I've got to pound it into them when exactly the opposite is true. And that's why we're on this mission and really appreciate you, Tom, having us on your show to talk about the fact that, look, you know, the soft skills are the hard skills. And when you get the soft skills right, 
the hard stuff gets easier. You can lead with gratitude and not lead with fear. Makes a ton of sense, doesn't it? It does, and when you when you have when you're working with somebody, and uh, obviously you you mentioned one person at the top of this uh, that used fear. What do you, what do you do to get them to recognize how they're managing and how to change their behavior? You know, I'm a huge fan of, of coaches and mentors. You know that that the name of your show is to really hold up the mirror and get some stakeholders involved and and let their people let them know you know, and really have those tough conversations. Now, some people will never change, and that's human nature. Uh, you know, and, and as we say, that's okay. You just can't be a leader here anymore, right? Because you're going to burn and churn people. And, and as we know, in this particular workplace environment, you just can't burn and churn people. So this, this really having the hard conversations, holding up the mirror, getting those 360-degree surveys that I think are so valuable, and let them know that, while they think they're on the wrong path, there is a better path. And I think the tough part there is it's actually a lot easier, I believe, to change behavior than it is perception. Because once you've got that label as a maniacal victor- dict- dictator boss that just hammers people, that, that, is, that is hard to change, and it does take time. Have, have you found that to be the case, Tom? I have, Absolutely. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show today. We're with gratitude, gratitude co-author Chester Elton. So one of the other, coming back to that, uh, one one other one is this, and, I, and I've seen this a lot, where somebody grows up in a harsh environment and maybe their parents didn't give them a lot of uh, nods. And you get the uh, attitude that, well, I was raised this way and I'm not going to, I can't give what I never got. Uh, and how do you? You list that as one of the issues, one of the myths that people are afraid because they didn't get too much praise or they think maybe people are getting too much praise today. And, and we certainly right. live in a culture where everybody get, everybody's getting an award whether they deserve it or not. <laughs> you know, and that, that, again, is one of those myths that, uh, you know, people are, are getting, they're, they're soft. I, to your point, I never got it and I turned out okay, right? <laughs> Well, you know, you got to know those generational differences, and yeah, there, there's a lot more, a lot, a lot of different ways to communicate. You know, you've got all the digital ways, and you've got a generation that's grown up with a lot of affirmations, whether it's through video games or, or through their parents, and on and on. And that's not a bad thing. You know, in fact, it gives leaders the chance to really have more input and guide people along those milestones along the way, and encourage them to to hit those milestones. You know, Gallup did a fascinating study about how many positive affirmations in one business day are too many. And they said, you know, 14, 14 instances, you know, and I I challenge you to find anybody that goes home to their spouse or their family or their partner and says, you know, I I got way too much recognition today. (laughs) You know, I couldn't get anything done. They were bringing cakes by and balloons and gift certificates. You know, it's always very low on the scale as to recognition when you do these engagement surveys. So, again, that's a myth. People uh, don't get enough recognition in the workplace, and we've got a million engagement surveys to prove that that's the case. Well, and one of the other problems, I know some people feel that if they do it too much that people are going to see them as inauthentic or they're bogus. and I think you're going to get into this when we talk about the practices. I had a, a boss early on in my career who was really a nice guy and he was a driver and everything. 
but he did things and he would send things to the house and my my wife's attitude was well that's another payoff for your time uh i how do you i mean that's i mean there is an authenticity around this that's important too right there is and that's knowing your team that's knowing how to do it right right knowing who who wants the gift basket who wants the wine who wants the the time off with their family and so on so yeah, it can be disingenuous if you're just throwing stuff at people and you haven't taken the time to know your team and know it's appropriate. And that is one of our best practices. Know your team. Know what is meaningful to them. And that's, that's the sign of a great leader. Know the differences. Know your team. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the powerful practices that we can use to build a gratitude culture. And we'll return with the Apostle of Appreciation, Chester Elton, after these short messages. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentor Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and today we have Chester Elton as our guest mentor. He has a simple solution for those people who are fighting the talent war, and it's right under our nose. So, Chester, we're talking about gratitude. And in the last uh, block, we talked about some of the myths. And in this block, let's let's talk about some powerful practices that you have developed and let people know how they can do this. So what is the most essential of the gratitude practices? Well, you know, we broke it up into two sections. It was seeing and expressing, you know, seeing what your people are doing and then how do you express it in a way that's really meaningful to people. And one of my favorites in seeing is assume positive intent. And this is a trap that a lot of leaders get into, particularly uh, new leaders, where they, they, they assume the negative, you know, they're problem solvers and they get promoted. And so to justify the promotion, being now the supervisor or the manager, whatever it might be, they're looking for problems to solve, and in doing that, they're really creating a very negative environment. And the assumption is, is that people have come to work to make mistakes when the opposite is true. And I love this from Hubert Jolie at uh, Best Buy. We talked about him earlier. He said, look, I may be naive. I just assume that people come to work, and they want to do a good job. And in trying to do a good job, they're going to make mistakes. And you know what? That's okay. We can fix the mistakes and move on. You know, uh, it, it, it's a better way to manage, and frankly, it's a better way to live when you make that assumption on the positive side as opposed to the negative side. And we've all had those negative managers, right, Tom? Yeah, well, I was, as you're talking, uh, isn't some of this, I think a psychologist say, is that people project themselves onto other people? Isn't that part of the problem, that they come from a certain experience background and they're projecting themselves onto other people? It can be, very much so. And so, again, that's where, you know, having mentors is really key and really showing them the numbers and walking them through. That's why we love the book. Is it, it's really a, a, a roadmap, and it's a guide to really give you a heads up. Are you assuming negative intent, or, or are you assuming positive intent? Perfect example, uh, WD-40. The, they say at WD-40, we don't make mistakes. We have learning opportunities. And that's built into their culture. You know, WD-40 stands for Water Displacement 40th Formula. So 
So these guys were mixing up their <laughs> formula in a bathtub, right? And it wasn't until they got to the 40th formula that they got it right. Say, so, well, did they make 39 mistakes? Absolutely not. They had 39 learning opportunities to get to that 40th formula. So when you're in an environment where mistakes are okay, clearly you don't want to be making mistakes over and over again, right? Where it's, it's okay to make a mistake because you're trying to make things better. That's where you get innovation. That's where you get engagement. If you're in a culture where every time you make a mistake you are punished, guess what? You're never going to try anything new. You're just going to keep your head down and keep doing it the same way you've been doing it for years and years and years until you're absolutely obsolete. So this is soon positive intent for me. For those of you that want an innovative and an idea-generating culture, this is really a, a really important key to leading with gratitude. And when you put it in that context, and one of the, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it, Tom? Yeah. One of the things I've done uh, in the work that I've done in running companies is that uh, I've got very sensitive to it now. Uh, industrial psychologist really opened up my eyes. I guess you could say it was a mentor for me. Is this the fact that everybody comes to the table with different skills? A job description never really defines the job, as we know it, because people bring different things to it. And I've been a big believer in using the Strengths Finder. Uh, within groups where we identify, we bring in a professional facilitator and we identify uh, what people really bring to the table in terms of their success characteristics, and we talk about those. And it really gets at one of the other things. It's It gets to the positive intent because now you're starting to see the person for what they are and the strengths they bring to the table. And also it allows us to walk in their shoes to some extent, which I know you also list as one of the important practices. I don't know if you've ever thought about the connection between looking at people's strengths and getting the group to understand what everyone brings to the table with regards to improving the uh, potential for gratitude, because it, it really does change the dynamic. You know, Tom, absolutely it does. You know, getting to know your people on an emotional level is always great. I love the strength finders. We actually have a motivators assessment that, that we've had 70,000 people take. And to your point, what are you passionate about at work? What are your strengths? You know, what are some of the things that you intrinsically bring to the table because of your upbringing, your experience, your education. And to your point about walking in their shoes, that's a way in walking in people's shoes is understanding that critical backstory so that you can put people in the best possible position to succeed, right? If you've got somebody that's really outgoing and gregarious and you want them in front of clients, you know, you want them doing that, you've got someone who's more of an introvert that really loves to solve problems and and so on. You're going to want them more, you know, on, on the back end of your, of your business. So I love that you brought in a professional to facilitate that. That is so key. And I think the messages to your team are that I'm investing in you. I'm mentoring you. And we're going to get this right. This is going to be safe for you to succeed. So everything you said, I'm a huge fan. And I think is one of the, is a brilliant best practice. Well, and so we've been, as you said, two groups. We're talking about seeing. Let's talk a little bit about the. Of course, one thing I want to talk about is the small wins and how leaders can identify and celebrate the small wins, and then roll over and talk about how we can express gratitude, which is obviously the the end game. Right. The small wins is one of my favorites, you know, because you build momentum with small wins, right? And and sometimes, particularly like in sales organizations, they'll say, look, we haven't hit the big goal yet, so keep at it, keep at it, right? We don't take time to celebrate. And I always like to put it in context for people. I said, look, have you got a kid that plays sports? And they go, oh, yeah. Oh, what is it? Oh, my kid plays soccer. I said, great. 
do you hold back your cheers until the final score? No, that'd be crazy. I mean, you know, particularly when they're little, you know, if they put their shoes on the right feet, we're cheering for them, right? They, they get up, they, they kick the ball, we're cheering for them. And in business, it's the same way. You set up these little milestones. We're going to hit, you know, when we're 10% a goal, 25% a goal, 50% a goal, you know, number of clients or whatever it might be, you know, getting the approval uh, from the Food and Drug Administration or distribution to, to our chain. All those little wins along the way build huge momentum. And great leaders and great coaches understand that, that you need those positive little perks along the way. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a great culture to grow up in, and it, and it produces winners. And I'm sure you've seen that happen, right, Tom? Right. And then tell me about the, how we express gratitude. That, that gets into being authentic or not. Right. Well, give it now, give it often, and don't be afraid. It's one of our mantras, you know. Do it right now. Re- reinforce that behavior right now. Primacy recency. The closer the recognition is to the behavior, the more likely it is to be repeated. And again, we talked about this. You think you're doing it too often. Trust me. It is almost impossible to over-recognize your people. And then the don't be afraid. Look, you're not going to get it right every time. The effort is always appreciated, and the more you do it, the better you're going to get which bleeds right into tailored to the individual. You know, the, the more you understand your people, whether it's through strength finders or the motivators assessment, what's important to them? You know, do they want time with their family? Do they, do they want uh, an extra assignment? Do they want to, you know, interact with R&D? Those leaders that know their team get the best out of their team. And then lastly, just really quick, is make it peer-to-peer. We often think as leaders it's always got to be top-down, top-down. When it gets sideways, like cross-pollination, that's when you know you've got a culture of gratitude, when you let your people recognize each other, whether it's in a, a town hall meeting or, you know, you're bringing your team together in huddles. Give your team a chance to call out somebody that's helped them that they can recognize. And, boy, that's when it gets really good. Hey, have you seen that happen in the businesses you built? Tom, where it was peer-to-peer, not just top-down? Once we broke through what I call the initial biases that people have, and then, uh, but I'm curious, what trick, well, you must have some things you, you implement with some of the companies you consult for that in terms of triggering that. Uh, what, how do you do that? I love it. I love that you brought that up. Little triggers, little reminders. Um, Avis Budget Rental Car in Dallas, the leader there, Carlos Aguilera, would put 10 pins in his left pocket. And he'd set a goal to have 10 positive interviews with his people every day. You know, little touches. And he'd keep track by moving a penny from his left pocket to his right pocket. Well, it got so good that everybody had 10 pennies in their left pocket. Right? <laughs> so that, that's when you know it's great. Little, little triggers, little reminders, little handwritten notes. You know, we've had organizations where everybody's got a little stack of notes on their, on their desk. And I know it's old school, and that's what makes it even more valuable, right? Because nobody does it anymore. And so those little triggers are some of my favorites, the pennies and the, and the handwritten notes. What have you seen? Have you got any triggers? Well, I, the big, I, I like the penny idea. You just gave me some th- ideas on how to use that. But the big thing uh, is today, because everything's gone digital and people uh, sending emails and everything, I can tell you a handwritten note has an impact where 20 years ago it didn't have any impact. So I, I, the handwritten note has a big impact. But we're going to have to, we're gonna have to uh, 
uh, cut here for a break. We'll be right back with our guest mentor, appreciation apostle and author Chester Elton. Remember, you can hear us on the Salem Radio in California, Texas, and online anytime at thementorsradio.com or on any podcast platform. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and today we have best-selling author Chester Elton, and we're discussing gratitude in the workplace, its myths, its potential, and also how you can use it in your personal life. We will have a link to Chester's latest book, Gratitude, on our website, which is thementorsradio.com. And when you're there, sign up for future broadcasts so you don't miss any of the future shows. So we're now, we want to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, and I know you've got an interesting background. You actually started out in sales. Tell us, a little bit about, yeah. tell us a little bit about your own journey and who were your mentors? You know, I uh, I did grow up in sales. In fact, I love being on radio shows. I told you off, off air, my dad uh, was a broadcaster and then went into management up in Canada where I grew up. And we loved selling because we loved solving problems for people, you know. And my dad's philosophy in sales was he said, you know, never sell anybody something that doesn't really solve a problem for them or that they don't really need. And so that service mentality, my dad was always one of my one of my greatest heroes and cheerleaders and ridiculously happy. You know, it's uh, it's so interesting. My, my parents were married for 65 years. And Tom, you may find this hard to believe, I never heard my parents fight. Maybe they did. I never saw it as a kid. And my dad would, would always say, whenever my mom would walk into the room, he would say, look at your mom. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she talented? Aren't we lucky? Isn't that, isn't that just a great way to think about your mom and and you know what? When my wife walks in the room, I tell my kids, look at your mom. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she talented? Aren't we lucky? So first and foremost, you know, my greatest mentor was, was my dad, as you might guess. How about you? Oh, I had, uh, my dad was a little bit more on the quiet side. He, he certainly was mentored me in some aspects of life, but my mentors actually came from outside the family. Uh, I was a bricklayer and, the fellow that I worked for just passed away, but he had a remarkable impact on my life and shaping my life. Uh, I did that all the way through college, but that's enough about me. Let's go back to your mentors. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the great mentors that Adrian Gostick, who's my co-author, and I both had was a guy named Kent Murdoch. He was the guy when I was selling and said, hey, Kent, you know, if we became thought leaders in our industry and we worked for a wonderful recognition company out of Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, that if we were the thought leaders, we, you know, customers would come to us. We wouldn't have to cold call them. And thought leaders publish. We should publish the definitive book on employee recognition. And it was Kent that said, I love that idea. Write the book. And I said, well, Kent, uh, you give me crushing quotas every year. When am I going to have the opportunity or time to write a book? And he said that he, he, he said one thing that changed everything for me, Tom. He said, you know what, Chester, you're a smart guy. Figure it out. Figure it out. And so I did. I played with ideas and stuff. And then a year later, he called me back and he said, I've hired a writer. His name's Adrian Gostick. Introduce yourself to Adrian and write the book. And sure enough, a year after Adrian and I got together, we dropped a book on his desk. 
We had a publisher. We had a contract. It was called Managing with Karen. So, you know, right up there with some of my great mentors is Kent Murdoch because he challenged us. And then once we wrote that book, you know what he said to me? He said, go change the world. Make a lot of noise. Go change the world. And we did. That's terrific. That's terrific. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today we're with Gratitude co-author Chester Elton. So the um, uh, tell us a little bit about, because I think this is so key to what you're doing today. Uh, and you, you sold for, uh, I think you sold some media time, but then you got into the, what does a recognition company sell? I, I know you wrote a book, but what is, what is it that they do? I'm familiar with it, as you know, but and the company. But what is, what is it that you do in a recognition company and, and selling? You know, yeah, we really would help organizations recognize and value their employees for various behaviors. A lot of the programs we did were for years of service. You know, your tenure, you'd be there a year or three years, five years, and so on. And, and we would have a, a, mento, a memento, a little token that you would get to reinforce that. We had, we had sales achievement programs. We had, you know, uh, achievement programs, you know, uh, idea programs and so on. And they were wonderful. They were symbolic. We'd, we'd teach organizations how to present an award. And once we started writing the books, we even developed training for leaders on how to best present, how to engage people, what, what's the kind of language you use to be a mentor to these leaders, to help them, you know, lead with gratitude. Um, the Karen Principle was one of our favorite books that really laid out a roadmap how to do that exactly. So, yeah, it was a great job. I did it for 19 years. I loved it. Well, I and I'm a big fan of recognition companies. You and I chatted about that offline earlier. Uh, so one of the things that we did is we created something like a Super Bowl ring uh, both a male and a female, that we would give to the high performers and we'd have a, a Super Bowl ring ceremony-like to give to the high performers. So give some people about the specifics. It's plaques, it's uh, special, so many things I've done in that area, and it's very positive. And you'll find in the world I live in, when I do a financing, we have some kind of a memento that we send out to all of our investors that's uh, that really commemorates the association. And you'll find when you go in their office, they have them all on their desks. So oh, it's also absolutely. a reminder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's got... You know, and and you, you can never have too many of them, right? I mean, high achievers, it's like, I won one gold medal, I'm done. No way. They, they want to win it every year. I was just with Newell uh, Corporation, you know, Newell Rubbermaid and Sharpies, and they've got all kinds of brands. Their new CEO coming to Ravi. I love Ravi. And the first thing he did is he created this, like, Stanley Cup trophy for the best brand and the best organization. And you gotta, you got to believe that every group in that room has got their eyes set on winning that trophy next year. So uh, the symbolism, the ceremony, the, the rituals, all are so important to, to engage people and get them to strive for more. I'm delighted that you had those best practices. Yep, that's great stuff. And uh, for those that have never tried it, they should. And it's not the ping pong table or the beers on Friday <laughs> afternoon. No way. It's these no uh, way. mementos that have real uh, connection to some kind of an achievement. But And, and at the, finishing out this segment and part of the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about the Baker's Dozen Take It Home, uh, where many people give their best selves at work but have little left over for others when they go home. I, maybe you could start the conversation on this issue, this is so important uh, because the gratitude is something that is uh, can pervade our entire life and certainly bring us a great deal more joy. Uh, and I'll turn it over Absolutely. to you to talk a little bit about the Baker's Dozen. 
Yeah, you bet. You know, absolutely. What we loved and what was so affirming for us is every leader that we talked with, not only did they leave with deep gratitude in the workplace, they took it home. They engaged their kids. We talk about the handwritten note. They put a handwritten note in their kids' backpack. You know, they would assume positive intent. One of my favorite uh, ones here in the, in the Baker's Dozen is give them a break. You know, your kids are going to mess up. You know, you'll, they'll make you sick with worry. They'll they'll take money out of your wallet and they'll lie about it, right? Just give them a break. Kids, kids are kids. You know, be more grateful for your partner and the sacrifices they make. Have meaningful conversations at dinner. We've got 13 of them that make this dozen. And you know what? Every one of them came from a leader that we interviewed. It was fabulous. Well, we're going to cover some of those when we come back after break. This is Tom Lloyd. Today we have Chester Elton as our guest mentor. You'll find all of our show and show notes and links at mentorsradio.com, including a link to Chester's book. This is Tom Lloyd, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Loring. Today we have Chester Elton as our guest mentor. He has a simple solution for those who are fighting the war for talent. It's called gratitude, and it's right under our nose. So, Chester, as we uh, finished off the last segment, we were talking about take it home, how these ideas of gratitude. Talk about, uh, tell the audience a little bit about the three things for dinner. <laughs> One of my favorites. Dave Kirpin, in fact, I was just with Dave uh, last week in New York. He's got a wonderful marketing company called Likeable. And he said, you know, I, 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 we try to eat as a family as often as we can with schedules. It's not always possible. Got two great kids, you know, and we'd always ask him, you know, um, how was school? Fine. What did you do? Nothing. Right? And we've all had that conversation with our kids. He said, my wife and I figured, look, we've got to make this more meaningful. So they developed these three questions that you have to answer at dinner every night. And the first one is, is, what was the best part of your day? So you get to brag a little bit about the best part of your day. Second was, tell me somebody you're grateful for that's not at the table, somebody that impacted your day in a positive way. And then thirdly, I love this, he says, and who are you grateful for at the table that hasn't been thanked yet? So by the end of dinner, everybody's been thanked. There's four people out there that, you know, made your life better. And you got to talk about the best part of your day. He says, you know, it changed everything. And at first, the kids were like, oh, Dad, oh, Dad. He says, then I knew they'd really bought in when they, they'd bring a friend home for dinner, and they'd say, now, listen, my dad's going to ask you three questions. Have good answers. <laughs> and these are the questions, <laughs> you know. So it got really cute. It's, it's really just a lovely way to, uh, to have dinner with your family. Well, I, I, my kids are all grown up, but I can't wait to have dinner at their house with their co children, and I'll lead the, I'll lead that. I think that's a great uh, practice. The uh, the other thing is uh, about obstacles. You you talk about being grateful for obstacles. Uh, could you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about uh, why? Well, it's so interesting. You know, as we interviewed these really successful leaders, and we said, you know, tell us about your business. Tell us about your growth. They would always go to the tough times. Because that's where they learned the most. And so it was really interesting that then they would take that home and they'd say, you know what, be grateful for obstacles. That's where you learn. That's when you grow. Don't think that it's a punishment. Look at it as an opportunity. Again, like WD-40, right? We don't make mistakes. We have learning opportunities. And, and, and teach your kids that they can do hard things. You know, we can do hard things. We can overcome obstacles. It's a great teaching moment, and it's an incredible way 
to get your kids engaged in appreciating not just the good times. That's easy. Appreciate the bad times. Isn't that a wonderful lesson? I think it's a, I know it personally to be true. And as I mentioned, we work with people that have lost their jobs. And I think uh, if they do their homework, as we say, they'll look at back at that period as a period of great growth. And they don't wreck it. When you're in the frying pan, sometimes you don't realize the lessons you're learning, but they're great lessons to be learned. Uh, and this exactly. last the last one is the practice uh, random gratitude. Uh, one of my favorites. You know, I set a goal to have a random act of gratitude every day. Just little things, you know, little things, you know, um, smile at somebody, you know, who's checking you out, ask them how their day is, compliment them on their hair or their sense of humor or their smile. You know, um, my, my dad was really great. He would talk to the homeless people and he loved it, you know, and he'd always, he'd always give them a buck. And I said, dad, why are you giving them that money? He said, Chess, when was the last time you could be a hero for a buck? Did you see that his, his face light up? I'll never miss that dollar. And who knows, that may be the only, the only money he gets today and the only chance for him to go buy a burger at McDonald's or, or, or a cup of soup. So these little random acts of kindness, they're there everywhere, and it's a great practice. It cheers up the people that you are, show gratitude towards, and you know what? It'll always cheer you up. The more you give, the more you receive. It's as simple, it's simple as that, isn't it, Tom? It is. And one of the things, the last question I have for you, with all the people you've met across all your years and everything, your work, what is the one thing that separates those people who are happy from those that aren't? You know what? They put gratitude at the center of everything they do. They really are grateful. And they're very giving. You know, they're very, they have this abundance mentality. They know they've been given much. And so they, they're not afraid to, to give to others. I, I love the leaders that not only have success in business, they have success at home, and they give to charities. You know, we have a saying in our family that no success in business can compensate for failure in the home. Don't leave your best self at work. Bring your best self home. These principles will create a great place to work, and you know what? It'll create a great place to live. And that's my sermon, my brother, from the Apostle of Appreciation. Can I get an amen? All right. We're grateful for, we are very grateful for your time today. We've been talking to Chester Elton, the co-author of Gratitude. You can learn more about this and other shows by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe for future shows. You can also listen to us online on any podcast platform, on any device, at any time. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.